0: Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast, where we're committed to helping you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. Let's get to today's message. Hey, welcome back, everybody. I hope that that time of worship ministered to you and uh, lifted you up, encouraged you, but also, man, I just hope that you had an opportunity to connect with God and experience His presence right where you're at now, today, we're celebrating Easter. And you know why I love the story of Easter? Easter is a comeback story, if I've ever heard one. We all love a good comeback story, don't we? That's why we love Rocky IV. Uh, well, actually, any of the Rockies, but Rocky IV is my favorite because he goes up against that Russian, he already gets beat, and then he has to come back and fight him. And not only does Rocky come back, but the whole crowd comes back with him. Uh, Almost every Disney story is a comeback story. Uh, Tiger King, that's a comeback story. Well, maybe not yet, but we're hoping, right? But we love good comeback stories. We love a good comeback in sports. I remember earlier uh, last year or later last year, uh, the Ohio State Buckeyes were, man, they were making a, a try for the national championships. And we were at the Big Ten title. This happened in December. And uh, we were going up against the Wisconsin Badgers. And uh, I, I watched the games from home. And, and uh, my buddy Jason, when he's at home, he watches them too. And we, we sit there and text each other the whole time about the scores. And we send each other memes and funny faces and stuff like that about what's going on on the field. And, and man, I remember this game in particular because we had already beaten the Badgers earlier in the season. We thought this was a game that was just going to be, we were going to walk on the field. We were going to whoop them. We were going to be Big Ten champs. And then we were going to go to the championship. Well, we got on the field and the Badgers showed up to play, uh, and we were wrong. We had beaten them earlier in the se- in the in the season. That was three months before, but by we by the time we got to the half, the score was twenty-one to seven. That's right. The Badgers were whooping the Buckeyes, and Jason and I were texting each other like, "Holy cow! Can you believe it?" And if you're a real fan of a sport, man, when you it's down twenty-one to seven and your team is just not showing up at all. Sometimes at the half, it just you, you, you just know that it's over. And I remember texting Jason, and Jason's like, I'm going to bed. It was 11 o'clock at night, we had to be up early for church the next day. And you know, he's like, I'm going to bed, and I was like, Me too, gosh, we're both in a huff. And and uh, and that was that. And he went to bed, and, and actually, I didn't. Um, I started to go to bed, but my son came in and started talking to me, and then the game started up again. But daggone it, the Buckeyes showed up and they started whooping them, man. And what happened was. You know, we thought it was over, but you know, they had that saying, it ain't over till it's over. You know what I mean? Until the time has run out. And here's what happened after the half. The Buckeyes scored a touchdown and tied it up to 14. They got a field goal, took it up to 17. Badgers didn't even answer it. They got another touchdown, it was 24. Another touchdown, it was 31. And then another field goal, took it to 34. They held the Badgers to those 21 points for the last half of the game. The final score was 34 to 21, we were the Big Ten champs. And man, my dreams of making it to the national championship, they were alight with fire. I was so excited because it ain't over till it's over. Of course, we, we wound up going up against Clemson and then it was over because they beat us pretty soundly. But, um, but man, we love a good comeback story, don't we? The next morning I was telling, Texan Woodland, I was like, dude, did you see the game? He was like, I can't believe I went to bed, I missed it. We, we love them. Comeback stories are awesome to us, we love it. Comeback stories are also the stories of every single person in our church, too. Every single one of us was counted out. Every single one of us was lost. Every single one of us was without hope at some point in time. But Jesus stepped into the scene, and our stories changed. The devil hadn't counted us out, but Jesus said, it's not over till it's over. You know when it's over? It's over when you die. It's over That's the ultimate over, right? It's over when somebody breathes their last breath. Now, I've never been in the room with somebody when they've breathed their last breath. Not a person, anyway. A few years back, I was there when one of my best friends, my dog, Dexter, breathed his last breath. I remember Dexter had, uh, it was was one of those moments that marked my life forever. I can still remember it because I, I remember he wasn't feeling well and we weren't sure what was wrong with him. And uh, I remember that that whole evening, he, he wouldn't rest, and he kept walking around, and, and we believed that it, his stomach had flipped, and not to be too morbid about what had happened, but we didn't know that he was going to expire that night, and I had gone to bed, and my wife stayed with him, and about two o'clock in the morning, she came and got me and said, Aaron, I think, I think he's dying, and I came down, and Dexter was there, and he was, he was laying on the ground, and he was, he was exhausted, and, and I... I cuddled up next to him and I pet him and Dexter was my dog he was one of my best friends man and and I remember laying his head in my hand and I just prayed over him I said lord if he's in pain i just pray that you would take him and god if he's if if this is just something let it pass quickly lord heal him and and uh, and and Dexter after i prayed that prayer i looked down at him and he, his eyes slowly rolled up at me and that was it that was the moment it was like he was waiting on me to get there and and he breathed his last and that was that was a moment that forever marked me it was it was this sense of finality because he breathed his last breath now i don't mean to depress you so i'll just say this i know that someday because he was a dog i don't know about cats and i don't know about any other kind of pet but i know because he was a dog i'm gonna see him in heaven because all dogs go to heaven right so 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 i don't i i'm not sad about dexter's passing i mean i was then i, I i'm sad at the loss of my friend but i know i'll see him again but immediately what happened was that there was some regrets, some, some things that began to creep in, a little bit of frustration with myself, regrets that I didn't sit up with him all night, r- frustration within myself because as he wasn't feeling well, and I was sleeping on the couch next to him. He kept nudging me and shaking his collar, and, and, and I was irritated with him because I was trying to sleep and couldn't sleep, and man, I, I, just, I internalized all that, and I felt it, you know? And when he passed, there was just this finality to it all. Now, I know it's Easter Sunday, and I'm not trying to make you sad on Easter, so let me just give you a joke real quick, all right? Kind of lighten the mood a little bit, but, but I just want, I want you to feel the, the finality of someone's passing. But, but here's the joke to cheer you up. There's a funeral service that was held for a woman who had just passed away, and, and uh, they had the service for her, and after it was over, the pallbearers came and picked up her casket and began to carry her out to the, to the hearse to take her on to the grave, the grave. And as they were carrying her, they accidentally bumped into a wall, and they heard a moan from within the casket, and they set the casket down, and they opened up, and sure enough, the woman was in there. She was still alive. In fact, she went on to live another 10 years after that, but after that 10 years, she, she did pass away, and they had another funeral service for her, and the pallbearers picked up the casket, and as they began to carry her out, the husband said, hey, 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 watch out for that wall. If you need somebody to explain it to you, just, you know, just, just lean over and tell somebody I didn't get it, but it's kind of hard to tell a joke in a, in an empty room here, but, um, but, but here's the thing that I want you to know. The thing about the ultimate, it's over. The thing about the ultimate, like it's finished. The fat lady saying it is done with is that Jesus conquered the ultimate. It's over. That finality was not finality for Jesus. In fact, that's what Easter celebrates, is that Jesus was dead, and now he's alive. That he died on a Friday, but he rose from the dead on the third day on a Sunday. Here's how the Bible says it in Revelation 1.18. It says, I am he who lives. This is Jesus. He's talking about himself. I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I'm alive forevermore. And then he amens himself. He says, Amen. Like, I love that. Jesus is so excited. He just amends himself. That's kind of what I'm having to do today. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to share this word with you. It's bubbling up on the inside. My leg is sitting over here bouncing. I'm excited to be with you and be with you in your home today on Easter Sunday. And ain't nobody in here to shout. So I'm just going to amen myself uh, just a little bit this morning. But, but this claim that Jesus makes, that he, I, was a, I was dead and now I'm alive. I'm the one who lives. Do you know that Jesus is the only God who has ever made that claim? Jesus is the only God because every other God, their gods are dead, but our God was dead and is now alive. See, Easter is not just about remembering what happened then. No, Easter is about much more. Though we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, there's something bigger here, something more robust that we get to celebrate on Easter Sunday. It is us realizing that on Easter Sunday that the power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, Romans 8, 11 says this, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives also in you. And just as God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, he'll give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. That's what we celebrate on this day, that Jesus conquered death, hell, and the grave. And because he conquered it by the spirit of God that dwelled inside of him, we know that the dead things that are in our life will come alive again that power over every dead area in your life, not just physical death. We'll all conquer physical death in the end just like Jesus, but those things that are in our lives and are dying right now will come to life again because of the power of the Holy Spirit. All of us here today, no matter where you're at, no matter what walk of life you're from, no matter what your spiritual journey is currently, how long you've been following Jesus, or whether you have no idea who he is, All of us have experienced some sort of death. Let me ask you, is there anything dead or dying in your life right now? Something you would identify. Maybe it's your marriage, maybe it's your emotions or your mental health. I mean, my goodness, we're in the middle of a pandemic. There's so many people that are panicking. Their way of life has been disrupted and and there's so much that feels broken. It feels like the old way is gone, that this new way, we don't like it and everything is shook and we feel like some things within us are dying. Then as a result, if you feel that way today, there's a prayer button right now that you can click. And we have somebody that would love to pray with you right now. Don't wait. You can pray. You can get prayer now. You can get prayer at the end of service. But right now is a great time. If you already know what that area is that's dying with inside of you, get prayer right now. For me, man, I'm going to tell you, I, I've experienced this this sense, this this sense of death as well, because my normal routine is gone. The way that we Used to do church is absolutely gone now i 'm in an empty room i don 't get to see your faces anymore everything everything I get to see is now on a screen or I, I get to see you from six feet away there 's no hugs there 's no shaking hands there's, there 's there's no grabbing somebody and praying with them and touching there 's just there 's nothing my in my own family my kids graduation we were talking about it just this week that you know, Unless this ban is lifted, unless a miracle happens that at the end of May, my kids are not going to experience graduation the way every other kid for years and years have been able to experience it. They're not going to get to walk across the stage in front of all of their peers and receive their diploma. And We've been mourning the loss of that, our summer vacation. Emotionally, spiritually, and mentally, there has been a disruption in my life and, and I've, I've had this sense of things dying within me. I don't know if, about some of you if you'd even be honest and say that. I feel like a lot of us are trying to keep a positive attitude, not just through this coronavirus pandemic, but but we wear this mask. Everything is fine. We don't want to burden anybody. We're like we're like that that. The, the gentleman on the cart, the, if you've ever seen uh, the, the Monty Python and the Holy Grail, there's a guy that's pushing a cart and you're carrying out the dead and they're saying, bring out the dead. And there's a guy on the cart, he says, I'm not dead yet. And the guy tells him, you're gonna die very soon. And he's like, no, I feel happy. I'm getting better. And I don't know about you. Maybe that's you and you're, you're just pretending everything is okay and you're, you're denying that, that, that you're denying that something is dying within you and yet you're experiencing that. you're experiencing something emotionally, you're experiencing something in your marriage and you feel like there's no way God can restore this thing and it just feels like it's over. You're looking at your finances and you're like, I don't make enough money to fix this. Even if I took a second job, I couldn't fix this. Or you're looking at your career or what you'd like to do and what you feel called to do and you're like, you know, I've made some mistakes in my life. I've got some felonies. I've got some baggage here. I don't qualify. I don't have the education. I'm just not good enough. And and you just feel like there's no way it could ever happen. Or maybe you're, you're you're looking at your kids and you feel like your kids are just too far gone. Maybe they've been involved in drugs and alcohol, or they're involved in some toxic relationships, or for whatever reason you feel far and separated from them. Or maybe it's in your sexuality. You would say, "Aaron, my purity's already gone. What's the sense of trying to do things God's way? I can't get that back." Maybe that's a choice that you made, or maybe that was a choice that was forced upon you. But either way, you feel trapped in this hopelessness. Man, we've all experienced death in in some way in our lives, and we just feel like, man, we're never going to get that back. We're never going to recover. We feel like it's over. And that's the story that we've told ourselves over and over again. And so far in your life, the way that things have played out, it seems true. You say, Aaron, if I'm one of those people that's maybe pretending, or maybe I just don't know. How would I know if I'm experiencing death in my life? Well, there are some symptoms I believe that you would feel. Maybe, maybe one of those symptoms is that you would just feel exhaustion, that, that you're tired. You don't know why. You, maybe you're resting, you're sleeping at night, but you're not ultimately recovering. And the problem is, is it's because it's not a physical issue, it's, a, it's an internal issue. It's something that has to do with your, with your heart and your mind and your spirit. Maybe one of the other things that you're feeling is, is an emptiness. You just, you just feel like as you walk through the, your day and your life it something is missing. You may have all the money in the world. You may have the most beautiful spouse. You may have the most beautiful home. You may have the most beautiful and amazing and talented and gifted kids. You may have it all, and yet you feel like something is missing. You're emotionally exhausted, and you feel like there's a void in your life, and I'm here to tell you that that void is something that only God can fill. Or maybe another way that you feel is, is enslaved. You, feel, you ultimately feel, and the condition that you're in is trapped. Man, if you're exhausted, and man, if you feel empty, that, that's the way a lot of us feel. Like We feel like things are just never, ever gonna change. We believe that there's no way out, that we're stuck, that it's over, and we've resigned to the fact that things will never change. Now hear me today i'm here on an easter sunday to tell you this that dead things because of jesus come alive again they do you may be in a difficult season we may be in a season where there's a lot of uncertainty you may feel like life as you knew it is over and maybe it will be different and yes that that may be the case but here's the thing it isn't over whatever you're walking through right now it's not over you say aaron how do we know that Go back to that verse in Revelation, Revelation 1.18, where Jesus said, I'm the one who lives. I was dead, but I'm alive forevermore. And then he amens himself, right? He says, and I have the keys of Hades and of death. Only Jesus has the keys because he's the one who defeated death, hell, and the grave. And here's the thing. Until you know Jesus, until you know him intimately as your personal savior, as your friend, Your death experience is never going to change. You know that to be true because you don't have the keys. You you don't have the keys to unlock the death that you're experiencing. The world doesn't have the keys. Culture doesn't have the keys. Pornography doesn't have the keys. Sex doesn't have the keys. Drugs doesn't have the keys. You've tried everything. You've tried everything to medicate this, to numb it away or to fix it on your own and nobody's been able to help you. Nobody holds the keys to unlocking the death that you're experiencing in your life except for Jesus. Jesus has the keys to unlocking the, and dealing with the death in your life. So today, here's what we're doing. We're actually starting a brand new series today called From the Grave. And we're going to go on for four weeks. I'm going to give you... Four keys to helping you understand. four areas in your life where we've experienced death, and because I know that you want to know how to walk this out. I know that you want to know, all right, Aaron, if you're telling me Jesus has got the keys, what does that look like? How do I embrace that? How do I embrace Jesus? How do I see this death in my life? Uh, how, do I, how do I see it turned around? How do I see a resurrection power? Well? I'm going to help you see that. I'm going to give you scripture, and we're going to walk you through that and show you how Jesus can unlock that death experience in your life. But today, here's the first key. I'm going to give it to you, and I'm going to share it with you in the story. Uh, this is actually one of my favorite stories in, in the Bible. It's about a, a, a man named Lazarus, and Lazarus was one of Jesus's friends, and um, I, I like Lazarus. When I was a kid, because uh, Lazarus died. Spoiler alert, by the way. Uh, I'm going to tell you that in the story anyway. But uh, Lazarus died, and they wrapped him up. And uh, Jesus shows up and says, hey, Lazarus, come forth. And I'm kind of getting ahead of the story. But, but Lazarus was like the original mummy, because it t- the Bible describes him walking out of the grave, and he was all tied up. And Jesus was like, hey, get, a, get him, cut him out. Cut him loose, you know, because he was dead, and now he's alive. And and uh, when I was a kid, I actually dressed up as Lazarus in a uh, costume, a Christian costume contest. And uh, I didn't win any prizes. Still uh, kind of feel that really deep inside. But uh, anyway, <laughs> this is one of my favorite stories. I love it. Um, I, and for, for a lot of reasons, especially because it really humanizes Jesus and demonstrates uh, how much he loved his friends and how much he loved people. But, but uh, check it out. Here's the story from John 11, one through six. This is what I want you to see. It says, now a man named Lazarus was sick, all right? So this is the guy I'm already talking about. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. So the Bible's just giving this context, okay? These are other people. It says, this Mary was uh, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, which, by the way, if you want to read them, you can follow in the message notes over here. Uh, he was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his hair, uh, wiped his feet with her hair. And so the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. And when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. He said, now, wait a minute, Aaron, you just told me that Lazarus died. Yeah, yeah, he did. And, and Jesus wasn't wrong here because Jesus looks at death a little differently. See, we look at death as a final kind of thing. By our definition, that's a finished thing. But Jesus knew what was gonna happen. He knew that Lazarus would, would physically die, but he also knew that he was gonna raise him back from the death. So by Jesus's definition, it wasn't over. Like we see death as an it's an over kind of situation, but Jesus says it isn't over, so he couldn't call it death. So when he heard this, back to verse four, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it's for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. I love that verse. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, it says he packed up and went immediately to him. No, no it doesn't. See, I think that would be our response. Our response when we find out somebody is sick is to, Oh my gosh, drop what we're doing. I'm going to the hospital right now. Or you find out that your friends on the way to the hospital. What do you need? I'll take care of your kids. I'll drop everything. I'll go. That's not what Jesus did. So when he heard that Lazarus was six sick, he stayed where he was two more days. I, he loved him so much that he did nothing. He did nothing. Many of you have felt this way before. You're like, oh, I get that. There's times in my life, Aaron, yeah, I've absolutely prayed to God. God, I need you. I need you to not fail me. I need you to come through for me, and God does nothing. It's one of those unanswered prayers. He just kind of seems to sit around and twiddle his thumbs. I feel that too. I've got something I've been praying about for more than three years, and it feels like, from my perspective, it certainly seems like God is doing nothing, that he's not even responding This is not about whether or not you and I believe that he's able or that he can or that he wants to. Like we can look in the Bible and see God wants good things for us. He's a good, good father, right? We sing these songs about him. We know how good God is. We believe he wants good things for us, but he seems to be doing nothing. This is what Jesus did. In Lazarus' situation, and I don't know about you, but when that happens to me, when it seems like God is doing nothing, I wanna fuss at God a little bit. I wanna complain, but I also don't wanna, you know, like get hit by lightning, which, you know, doesn't really happen, but somewhere in the back of my mind, like I, I still believe complaining to God will cause him to be like, to smite me, oh great smiter, you know, but uh, anyway, it, you know, if you believe the same thing, share over here in the chat box. Don't leave me hanging. I don't wanna be here all by myself. If you thought the same thing, man, like can't fuss at God. But here we go, back to John uh, 11. We're gonna actually jump down to verse 11. He says, after he said this, he went on to tell him, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. You know, again, Jesus doesn't call it death. But his disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. So Jesus is realizing his disciples aren't catching on. They're they're not hearing through the, the ears of faith that Jesus is trying to tell them. So Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, right? Because so, Jesus doesn't talk like we talk. He doesn't see things how we see. He sees them with a long lens through eternity, and he knows things that we don't know. So he, he's not calling it death, but for us to be able to understand for his disciples, he breaks it down for them. So and, and he talks so that they can understand it. And I really like that. He said, Lazarus is dead, verse 15, and for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Now the next part, one of his disciples just kind of speaks up. And if you look at the story, man, there are some interesting characters that Jesus surrounds himself with. I mean, he surrounds himself with a guy who betrays him with a kiss. You got Peter who cuts off somebody's ear and is just this guy who's just just really boisterous and, and really not the sharpest tool in the shed. When it, when you start reading the stories, but there's this other guy known as Thomas. And he just says some stuff sometimes, man. And this is one of those things. Thomas speaks up. His name, he was also known as Didymus, which means twin. He had a twin brother. And it said to the rest of the disciples, let us go also that we may die with him. (laughs) What an Eeyore moment this is, right? right, Well, let's let's go hang out with him. If Lazarus is gonna die, I guess we're all just gonna die. (laughs) So verse 17, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four years. Days, Now, by the way, the Bible, when it lays out details like this, they're not there by accident. It's important that you know that because his body had been in the grave for four days. This detail is important because in Jewish custom, their, their superstition, they believed that a spirit of a person would hover above their bodies three up until three days after they died. At the end of three days, their spirit would go on up to heaven but before then, that they might actually rise back up. It was just this superstition. It was their custom and their culture. But here, the, the that's why Jesus' body, by the way, laid for three days in the grave and then rose from the dead, right? That's how many days he was dead. But Lazarus was actually dead four days. It was over as far as they, they knew. And that's why Jesus waited four days on purpose. So that people would... It, this is done, this is over. It wouldn't have been like he rose from the grave on the third day. It was the fourth day. His spirit was already gone according to what they believed. And so it's verse 18. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. And when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. Martha had hope. Martha ran right to Jesus. But Mary, watch this, she stayed at home. There are two types of people when you're facing death in your life. People of hope that run to Jesus. But there's people that are in despair and despondent. And they stay right where they're at. They, they, they don't believe there's anything that can be done. It's over. The fat lady saying. Martha says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, I know. I think sometimes we do that. We, we, we're looking for an answer from God. We're experiencing some death in our lives. And, and we go, I know, God, someday when one glad morning, when this life is or I'll fly away, right? We know we're going to get over to heaven. We know we're going to get there. I know, Lord, someday. Someday I'll see my brother again, Lazarus. Someday I'll see him. She said, I know we'll see him again in the resurrection of the last day, that day we all go to heaven, Jesus. I know that day's coming. And I think sometimes we get that someday syndrome too where we go, yeah, I know, God, you'll answer it someday. But this right now, this is over. Like, there's just no hope. But Jesus said to her, watch this. This is important. He said, I'm the resurrection, and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? And so let me wrap all of this up here today by giving you the first key. I need you today on Easter Sunday, no matter what kind of death you've been experiencing, no matter what area of your life you've been experiencing it in, I need you to believe. I need you to believe. You say, Aaron, believe what? I need you to believe again. I need you to believe not only that the dead things can rise, but I need you to believe in the one who can raise them back from the dead. I need you to believe in Jesus today. Today I'm calling you out. Will you in the face of the things that are dying in your life, will you be a Martha who has hope and runs to Jesus? Or will you be someone like Mary who is despondent in their despair? Today, My hope is that you will choose to believe again. Not only that whatever is dead will rise again, but believe in the one who makes dead things come back to life. Amen, everybody. Let's pray. Father, today I just lift up all of those who are experiencing exhaustion in their lives. Every single one of them that are experiencing that that sense of emptiness, that void. They're experiencing a loss of hope. They're feeling enslaved and trapped. Lord, whatever area that they are experiencing death in their life right now, Lord, I lift them up to you, Father, and I pray, I pray that hope would rise in them again, Lord, and I pray that, that, uh, that, that the, the heart of Martha would be in the heart of every single person under the sound of my voice, Lord, that we would run to you, not just so that that the dead things in our lives would come to life again, but that we could come to life again, that we could experience a life like we've never experienced before, the life that Jesus promised a full and fulfilled life here on this earth. And Lord, we know that that life only comes through Jesus. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So God, I pray today that we would encounter your presence. I pray today that for many of us today that we would believe again And I pray for many of us today, right now, that we would believe for the first time. And if that's you, if today you feel faith rising inside of you, that Jesus is Lord, that he is who he said he was, that he is the son of God, that on Good Friday, he did die for our sins. And on Easter Sunday, he rose from the dead and the same spirit that is in Christ that raised him from the dead can also be in you. If you believe that today, here is your opportunity. You can grab hold of the key to unlocking the death in your life by simply grabbing a hold of Jesus, making him Lord of your life. And here's the invitation. On this Easter Sunday, if you're ready to do that, on the screen right now, there's a little bar that says, I'm raising my hand. I'm saying yes to Jesus. Why don't you click that right now? Go on, be bold. Don't be afraid. Don't be worried about anybody that's around you. Click that. I'm raising my hand. I'm saying yes to Jesus today. Put your faith in him. And here's what I want you to do. If you raised your hand, if you're making that decision today, maybe you're driving and you can't click that button, you're still making that decision. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray these words along with me. Pray them, believe them in your heart today. Say, Jesus, I need you. Come into my life. Make me brand new. Make the dead things come alive in me again. Fill me with your spirit. Show me how to live for you. Forgive me of my sins. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Man, I wanna tell you something. If you prayed that prayer today, everything is about to change for you. And here's the invitation. We would love to not only celebrate that with you, with you, but we would also love to make sure that we connect you with everything that you need for your spiritual journey, especially during this time when, during the pandemic when we aren't able to gather and aren't able to hug your neck and celebrate with you. We would love to make sure we get you some resources until that day. So if you would, there's a connect card up here, a digital connection card that you can click and fill out Fill that out, man. Give us an opportunity to celebrate with you. Mark the spot and said, I gave my life to Jesus. And man, when we're able to gather again, we'll gather as one big family celebrating stories, your comeback story and our comeback story. This, that's the story of Jesus. We wanna celebrate that with you. So please give us an opportunity to do that. Man, it feels so good to be here with you guys today. I know that many of you are responding to that right now. I wanna thank you so much for being here with us on Easter Sunday. Uh, I'm gonna remind you of one thing and then we're gonna take communion together. Uh, First is that if you came today and and the Lord is moving in your life and you've prepared an offering to give, you can give. There's a give button up here but I also believe that there's options on your screen right now that show you how to mail in a gift or to, to text in a gift or to use our online give option or if you already have the Simple Church app, you can do that. Man, we're thankful for your giving. Uh, And you're continuing to help us reach out to so many people this week. Uh, We used some of your generosity to send a a gift box, a cookie, boxes of cookies out to our first responders here uh, in the four different fire stations right here in Reynoldsburg. We also were able to acquire some N95 masks and we are dispersing those. Uh, as well to uh, uh, medical staff and to people around our community that are still serving uh, the grocery stores and on that. So thank you so much for your generosity. It's allowing us to to make an impact in this time. But uh, the other thing I want to remind you about is to make sure at the end of all this, go to the message notes, click on the You Ask For It link, and uh, tell us what you would like to hear in our You Ask For It series. Now, I'm going to take just a moment to get set up, but We're gonna come back and do communion right now. God bless you guys. All right guys, we are ready to take communion together on this uh, Easter Sunday. Um, What is communion? Well, let me just briefly explain for those of you that are are new to it. Um, We always wanna make sure that we keep things simple. We always wanna make sure that that you understand what we're doing. But um, uh, if you are new to this and maybe you came late to today's talk, uh, go ahead and run to your kitchen right now while I'm talking. Take me with you, uh, either on your mobile phone or your laptop, or just turn up the volume if this is on your TV and playing. But uh, run to the kitchen, grab something. I grabbed uh, some uh, animal crackers that were around here. And uh, some we did have some grape juice, but uh, you can grab whatever you'd like to, a donut, a bagel, a piece of bread, or what, what, whatever just as long as you've got something that represents the body of christ could be a piece of bacon some sausage yum uh it could be a coke could be a coffee could be some water but grab something but um here's what communion is all about uh in the week leading up to jesus's crucifixion we call it holy week uh there is a festival that is being celebrated called the passover and jesus is having his passover meal with the disciples and uh, this happens on the Thursday, so before, just the day before he is crucified, he has the Last Supper. And many of you are familiar with the Last Supper. It's a very famous artwork done by Leonardo da Vinci, and many others have done it as well. And uh, If you've seen uh, Dan Brown's Da Vinci Code, then you know all about it. And, and you're familiar, at least, with the picture that Jesus had a meal with his disciples. And this at this last meal, Jesus was, of course... Uh, This was the moment where Judas knew he was going to betray Jesus and Jesus knew it too. And and some very, very amazing things happened around this particular meal. But one of the things that happened that Jesus told us to do, he said, do this often as you remember me. And he did it around, centralized it around a meal because Jesus knew that you and I were going to need an opportunity to connect with who he was on a regular basis because Man, I don't know about you, but I get caught up in life. I get caught up in my day, and I kind of forget who I am. I almost always forget whose I am from time to time, and uh, meaning that I belong to him and he belongs to me. And, and Jesus, Jesus said, take time when you have a meal together just to remember me, just, just to refocus, to recenter. And on this Easter Sunday, we love to do this together, but you don't have to do this at a church service or even even with your church family, you can do it with your family. You can do it with another brother and sister in Christ. You could do this by yourselves, but take a moment whenever you sit down and eat and just remember Jesus. And Jesus did this at the table with his disciples. He said, I'm going to give you two things to remember. He said, I'm going to give you the bread. And Jesus took bread and broke it and gave it to his disciples. And he said, this is my body, which will be broken for you. And he broke the bread, passed it around. Because see, Jesus, when he went to the cross, he was brutally murdered. But before he was tortured and murdered, he was beaten within an inch of his life with a cat of nine tails, the Roman soldiers who were trained to torture a man up until the point that he would die. Just before he would die, they beat him. And Jesus, the Bible says, he didn't say a word, that he endured all of that punishment, all of the torturing, even the humiliation of carrying his own cross with his weakened body through the through the town up to the hill of golgotha where ultimately they would stretch him out on that cross they would nail his feet and his hands and hang him as according to theologians and historians that he would have been hung there completely naked to be further shamed in, in the eyes of everyone that was there. Jesus' friends was there. His mother was there. And everybody in the city that was there. Jesus suffered the scorn and shame of the cross and he endured all of that in his body, that beating. And then as he hung on the cross, his body endured for hours, literally hours, the torment of trying to be able to breathe, to pushing up with his feet and pulling up with his hands so that he could catch a breath only to hang back down again on that cross and be slowly suffocated. Jesus endured so much in his body on that day that he asked us just to remember all that he endured for us because it was his full love on display that day. He could have ended all of it. He could have walked away from it. He could have called angels down from heaven and stopped it. In the garden, he even prayed, Father, if there's a way for us to do this another way, let's do that. Like he was fully God, but he was fully man. There's no way he wanted to actually endure this. And yet he chose, because that's what love does. Love chooses to persevere. Love chooses to endure. Love chooses each other. And Jesus chose you. He chose to endure all that. So when we take the bread, we don't take this lightly. This isn't OK, remember Jesus, num, 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 thanks. Internalize this. Consider it, all that he endured. So, together, whatever you've got an animal cracker, a cookie, a biscotti, a bun let's take it and remember what Jesus endured in his body together. The second thing Jesus did after he broke bread was he had a cup. And um, this was a cup that they would have shared. Now, in in this environment, in this pandemic, please don't share cups. Um, maybe with your immediate family members here, but, but nobody else. But he took the cup and he said, this is symbolic of my blood that was shed. Now, why would he want us to remember his blood? Well, see, something happened when Jesus gave his body to be broken the way it did. Because Jesus lived a perfect and sinless life. Jesus was not a sinner like you and I. And Jesus gave his life, the Bible says, he gave it as a substitution for ours. So when Jesus shed his blood, his blood was precious. His blood paid a price for us that we could not pay. Because Jesus was sinless, there was no penalty for him to pay, but he was able to swap his life for ours. Jesus allowed us to enter into a brand new covenant with God, a covenant where our sins were not just atone for where, where where they were set aside for the time until until we were dead and we'd have to pay for them with our, with our lives in eternity no, no no jesus paid for them he dissolved them he took care of them they're no more the bible says that our slate gets washed clean we get a brand new start this is what jesus's blood accomplished was that we would be forever forgiven. We would be restored in relationship with our heavenly father. All things would be made brand new. All things are new in him because of him, because of this sacrifice. And Jesus not only wanted us to remember what he endured for us, the love that he had put on display for us as he suffered in his body, but he wanted us to remember what he accomplished because in shedding his blood, us entering into this new covenant makes us sons and daughters of God. It is about who we now belong to because of the price we've paid. In 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19 through 20, it says, I've been bought with a price. I'm not my own. Man, I love, love knowing that I belong to a heavenly kingdom, that I belong to my heavenly Father, and it's all because of what Jesus did for me. So when we drink of the cup, it's not just a, okay, Jesus' blood is nice. Thanks for what you did for us, Jesus. Woo-hoo, appreciate you. This is precious. This is a cup we're unworthy of. What he did for us, we don't deserve. What we deserve is eternal separation and punishment. Eternal separation from God and punishment for our sins. That's what we deserve. Jesus shows us mercy, he shows us grace, and he puts all that on display. And what he did on the cross, the blood that he shed for us, the forgiveness that he gave. So when we drink, don't drink this lightly, This didn't cost us anything, but it cost Jesus everything. It cost him his life. So let's drink together and remember the blood that Jesus shed. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much. On this Easter Sunday where we celebrate that you who were dead rose from the grave. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done for us. Thank you, Jesus, for enduring all that you endured in your body for us. Thank you for not being like every other God who might have whispered some sort of I love you from their faraway lands and from the heaven. You didn't stay in heaven and say you loved us. You came to the earth. You became a man and you showed us how much you loved us. You didn't shout it from afar. And I just thank you, Jesus, for walking this earth. Thank you for enduring The beating, thank you for enduring the shame. Thank you for enduring the cross and the torment. Thank you for defeating death, hell, and the grave. Thank you for rising from the dead again, but thank you for your blood. Because of your blood, everything is different. Everything about me is transformed. Thank you, Jesus, for what you gave us. We celebrate you, we love you, and we worship you. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining me in this special time of communion today. I hope that you'll spend the rest of the day celebrating what Jesus did for us this weekend, that he is risen. Amen, everybody. God bless you. We'll see you right back here next Sunday at our online campus of Simple Church.